Thanks for listening to the Doug Gottlieb Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday, 3 to 6 Eastern, 12 to 3 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Doug Gottlieb Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Now let's get this party started. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Boom! What up, America? Doug Gottlieb Show. Fox Sports Radio. Hope you're having a great day. The Doug Gottlieb Show broadcasts live. Today, today we're in uh, T-Town, Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Welcome in. Hope you're having a great day. Hope you're ready for a great show. Um, I saw this and, you know, last night was weird. It was really, really weird where, you know, we uh, were sitting there watching the national championship game play out. Can you hear me? Okay, there we go. I was having a problem with my feedback there. Um, so we're watching the national championship game last night. And look, the, the, the first thing that was on my mind was that you know, the quarterback play wasn't great in the first half and that there was uh, overwhelming speed and athleticism defensively. And, of course, it's a great story. And uh, Georgia wins in the fourth quarter. Georgia wins the national championship. Georgia finally overcomes their nemesis. By the way, congrats to Dan Beyer. He had it picked right. Also, Joel Klatt. He had it picked right. I had it picked wrong. Georgia's your national champion, which I actually believe Georgia was the best team. I think I said repeatedly yesterday, Georgia, and throughout the year, Georgia was the best team. It's just, look, until you can beat Alabama, you can't claim the throne, right? You can't claim, what is it, 14 in the last 15 years? Alabama's either won the title or lost to the team that won the title. It's, it's craziness to overall levels of dominance. And I'm actually broadcasting from Coleman Coliseum, which is the home of their basketball arena. I got the radio call of Auburn versus Alabama tonight in basketball. All right, enough of that. Let's get to football, what you really came here for. Can, can we just get, look, I love the Big 12. I played in the Big 12. My alma mater, obviously, is in the Big 12. So this isn't a, a anti-Big 12 statement of, of any kind. N- not even a little bit. Okay? Um, but what it is, is the reality. Pac-12, Big 12, Big 10, ACC. I don't know how many years you have to see the same thing on repeat before you go like, hey, you know, they seem to be a little bit better than we are. And and my my take on this has been continues to be not not there, there's a there's a litany of things to it. You know, there's the movement of America to the south. There's how football is viewed nationally, how football is viewed regionally. It's the level of financial investment uh, from from some schools as opposed to others. All of these things go in line with the fact that the SEC is, in fact, better at football. They have better players than the other conferences. And I, I think they have pretty good. I think Kirby Smart's a really good coach. I think Nick Saban's a really good coach. But but I I remember the story 
that a friend of mine told me about Nick Saban when he got the job, right? And that story was that when Nick Saban got the job, he was he was quoted as saying, like, he got on the, the plane, they go to fly to go recruit, and somebody on the plane said, hey, we just got the best coach in America, and he said, no, you got the best recruiter in America. The idea is that even Nick Saban, as great a coach as he is, understands that in that sport, most games are won and lost before the ball is ever kicked off. Isn't that a crazy thing? But the truth is, that's a lot like business. You know, I, I'm, a, I'm a big believer in the college experience. I'm a big believer in the college experience. And there's all different parts of the college experience which are important. But to me, it's the social jujitsu. It's understanding time management and understanding how to work with people and how to get things done. And group assignments, you're going to have guys or ladies that bail on you. Or maybe you're the guy that bails on everybody else for, for, for group work, whatever it is. Last night, you learned, if you hadn't already learned, okay, that most games are won in college football before the game is actually kicked off. In, in in basketball, they say the sins of summer, summer are paid for in the winter. In football, I just say, look, the, that game was most games that Georgia plays, that Alabama plays, are over before it kicks off. This show is brought to you by one of our favorite cities, Las Vegas, the greatest arena on earth. Plan your trip today at visitlasvegas.com. Did you guys see Stetson Bennett this morning? It was amazing. He was on Good Morning America, and he looked he looked like he had just put down his last beer. He looked like he had just gotten a, uh, he had been, he wasn't in New Orleans, he was in Indy. He had just gotten a set of beads wrapped around his neck. Here's Stetson Bennett in a post-game interview about winning it with Georgia. So many times they tried to recruit over you. You thought about leaving, but you stuck around. Why? Because I love this place. I love this team. I believe in myself. I think I'm the best quarterback. And I just love everything about this place. I want to win a national championship here. He also said this about his motivation in playing better in the second half. I knew that once I fumbled the ball, I was not going to be the reason we lost this game. But, you know, it's the thing that Coach Smart and the whole team have been preaching the whole year. Resiliency, toughness, composure, connection. I knew that those guys beside me had my back, and I had their back too. It's a pretty cool thing, right? And as much as those games are won in recruiting, here's the guy that was uh, first a recruited walk-on, then went to JUCO, then came back and was given a scholarship. But the truth is, they were quarterback upon quarterback in front of him. He's the one who ends up being the quarterback that, that wins the national title. Here's Kirby Smart asked about Stetson Bennett after the game. If someone had told you five years ago that Stetson Bennett would lead you to a national championship on offense, what would you have thought? I would have thought, hell yeah, we won a national championship. I mean, I'd have been pumped. Uh, five years ago, he was delivering passes like Baker Mayfield uh, against the scout team. And, you know, we all, <laughs> there's a lot of guys that saw him on that scout team make plays with his feet, uh, his arm whip, and decision making, and we were very impressed. But, again, to think that it would come this far from that national championship he was a part of in there to this one, man, what a, what a, what, what, what a story. Here's Nick Saban talking about his team not finishing. 
I just feel really poorly that we didn't finish the game better than we did uh, in the fourth quarter because we played a heck of a game against a heck of a team. Uh, everything that this team had to overcome to get to this position to have uh, an opportunity to win the national championship, we just didn't finish the way we needed to finish. Here's what Saban had to say about losing to uh, his longtime assistant, Kirby Smart. We had to lose a national championship. I'd rather lose one to one of the former assistants who sort of did a great job for us and has done a great job with his program and his team. And uh, if any team deserves, they deserve it. They played great all year. Uh, We were the only team to beat them in the SEC championship game. Here's Bryce Young, the young quarterback, the Heisman Trophy winner, taking responsibility for losing the game. We worked tremendously hard uh, and for the guys around Guys around me, they all work super hard, and you know I, I don't feel like they deserve this. So that's something that you know I have to I have to take for them, and and I'm just I'm just proud of my guys. Um, love my guys, everyone on both sides of the ball. I just wish I could have been better for them tonight. Check out the latest lines in the world of sports. Better Sportsbook. Betters is the trusted name in online sports betting. Got to be 21. Present in Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, or Pennsylvania to play. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. I Man, I, I think the. I'm I'm watching that game, and you're wondering why Bryce Young is unable to put the ball in the end zone, right? They got in the red zone so many times and were inefficient in there. And when I'm I'm left walking away with is, Georgia just has so much more speed, athleticism, and and then the size up front of of the athletes is ridiculous. Ridiculous. We can argue about some other teams and who you want to have play in. But anyone who watched that game was like, oh, no, we can't, we can't beat that. We, we can't beat that. We can't beat that. And, uh, you know, in, in many ways it's institutionalized. It's everybody is on board. That's what it takes. You know, a couple years ago when, um, when, Texas A&M, okay? Texas A&M goes out and, you know, they, they hire they hire the sitting head coach at Florida State, right? They go and hire Jimbo Fisher, who had won a national title a couple years previous at, at Florida State. And when Jimbo Fisher got the job, he essentially said that, like I'm, I'm kind of paraphrasing now, right? In order to win, you have to have everybody pull in the same direction. And the idea was at Florida State, they were not. Like, look, th- those programs that win in the SEC, there's a reason that they win. There's a reason that they're better. You know, from organizing and raising money for facilities, for coaches, and now for NIL stuff, which is... You know, it's buying players, whatever. I mean, it just is. That that that's completely legal now within the rules. The support of fans, like, look, look, does it win you a game when your spring game is sold out? No, it doesn't win you one single game. But every kid in America turns on the TV, like, dude, they got a sellout for their spring game. You got guys in the you got litany of guys in the NFL. The amount of team speed and athleticism, uh, obviously the strength and conditioning is ridiculous. Like, they're good for a reason. And they're going to be good for a reason. It is hilarious, though, that the guy who's at the helm, who's the trigger man, is the guy that even they were like, ah, I don't know if we want him. That's the beauty of sport, right? 
It's the beauty of sport. It does take everybody to win. And even within all of the litany of four and five stars and guys that are going to go to the league, and Stetson Bennett probably never plays a down of football in the National Football League. Even with all that, sometimes you need a guy who just gets better and better and is tougher than a $2 stake and gets the ball to where it needs to go and every once in a while pops a big throw and just has just has something about him. It's also something about the quarterback position now. The quarterback position is not all about tangibles. There is an intangible quality, and Bennett has that. It's a fun night to watch. Fun night to watch. Sloppy first half. Defensive dominated the first three quarters. Georgia better. Obviously, some terrible injuries, especially on the uh, terrible injury on the uh, on the Alabama side. But the best team won, and they won because of the overall investment of everybody on board. And it's the reason that Alabama's been good for so long. Yes, you got to have the right coach. Yes, you got to make the right selections with quarterbacks. You got to get a little lucky. All of those things, but you got to be pulling in the same direction. And then those those stories of guys that just get better and better, and the unification of a team is amazing. I mean, it, it's like we can sit here and deny the SEC thing, but you'd be dumb. It's just, you know, that's like sitting there going like, well, the Patriots, this with the division and that, like, or they were awesome for twenty years with Tom Brady, they were awesome. Brady was awesome. Belichick was awesome. They were awesome. That's the SEC over the last 20 years. That's what it is. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Mm -mm -mm. Okay, so uh, Kevin Stefanski has gotten the uh, vote of confidence as head coach and play caller, uh, something that we believe he'll return to doing next year with the Cleveland Browns. Uh, but he, he got that from, from management. So Kevin Stefanski offered this up about his quarterback, Baker Mayfield. He pushed through it, and, and I know he wants to perform better. I've seen him perform better. He played winning football for us. Uh, so I fully expect him uh, to bounce back next year. I've seen Baker play at a very high level, uh, and, and I'm confident he'll, he'll get this surgery, and, and he's going to work real hard this offseason to bounce back. Baker's uh, uh, Browns general manager, Andrew Barry, said the team remains committed to having Baker return as Cleveland starter. Quote, we fully expect Baker to be our starter and to bounce back. Browns general manager, Andrew Barry, said at his end-of-year press conference. Now, Look, lots of players have had a bad season, but there have been times even at the best of Baker times where he's shown that he's not an elite level talent. So so what are the Browns doing? Right? What are the Browns doing? Uh, I think they're doing the only thing you can do. They're doing the, what, what happens is we, we so react Okay, to these things and go, oh, well, the Browns are nothing matters if you this is why you never say anything negative. Because you want to keep all options open, including bringing Baker back. Would they prefer to trade for Baker, trade Baker Mayfield? Probably. Probably. They don't want to pay him close to 20 million dollars next year guaranteed. You know, they don't. They, they don't want to wait and see if he can return to form and be 
what he should be in his fifth year as starting quarterback and a former number one overall pick for $20 million guaranteed. You don't want to. But there's a chance you have to. And if you open up any possibility, any possibility at all, that you might trade Baker Mayfield during this push of time, well, you eliminate any sort of possibility that he'd come back. It doesn't mean you want him back. It just means that you don't have to decide you definitely don't want him back before feeling out the market. Check out the latest lines on World of Sports at BetRivers Sportsbook. BetRivers is the trusted name in online sports betting. Got to be 21, President Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, or Pennsylvania to play. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. Ross Tucker in a moment. First, let's get you to Dan Beyer. Dan, what do you got? Doug, a lot going on, and we will start with the National Football League. Teams looking for head coaches, specifically the Chicago Bears. They're going to be interviewing a lot of people, including former Dolphins head coach Brian Flores and former Eagles head coach Doug Peterson. Bears are also looking for a general manager. Saints assistant GM Jeff Ireland expected to interview with Chicago as well, according to reports. As for Joe Judge's status as head coach of the Giants, apparently it's still up in the air. That's according to a report from SNY and a decision on Judge's future could carry into next week. Same situation with David Culley in Houston, according to The Athletic. In college football, national champion Georgia claimed the top spot in the final AP Top 25 poll of the season following their win last night against Alabama. Rounding out the top five as Alabama finished second were Michigan, Cincinnati, and Baylor. Major League Baseball and the Major League Baseball Players Association are expected to hold a bargaining session on Thursday where the league is expected to present a new economic proposal to the union. ESPN first reported the meeting as it's the first major meeting between the sides since the start of the lockout in early December. Moving on to some news from the NHL as tonight, the Toronto Maple Leafs take on the Vegas Golden Knights at 10 o'clock Eastern time. It's our Discover Card Key matchup brought to you by Discover. Real credit card questions require real people, someone who understands your issues and works to resolve them with you. That's why Discover offers helpful U.S.-based representatives available 24-7. Discover, exceptionally common sense. Clay Thompson made his NBA season debut this past weekend. Warriors head coach Steve Kerr says, for the time being, ex- expect to see Clay on the court for about 20 minutes per game. Doug, back to you. It's Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. Ross Tucker is our guest. Of course, uh, Ross, a super talented former NFL lineman. You can check out the Ross Tucker football podcast or on social media at Ross Tucker NFL. He calls games for Westwood One. He does a great job with CBS Sports as well. Ross, thanks so much for for joining us. Um, Let's begin with with Baker Mayfield. My hypothesis is it doesn't mean the Browns want Baker, but if you say anything negative about Baker, you at least cut cut off any possibility of bringing him back, and you hurt his value in terms of trade. Even if it's what you want to do, you don't say it's what you want to do. Where do you think Cleveland is on Baker Mayfield? Yeah, I think uh, you are right on the right track, Doug. I mean, listen, these teams say what they have to say for what's in their best interest at the time they are saying it, period. I mean, that's it. There's no value in saying anything right now other than Baker's our guy. And I look at it like Baker is the floor for the Cleveland Browns in 2022, meaning the worst-case scenario is they have a healthy – motivated Baker Mayfield on a one-year contract trying to prove that he can play. That's the worst-case scenario, and it's not that bad of a scenario. I mean, he's not going to play as bad as he did this year, 
you wouldn't think he'd get all beat up again. So it's not a bad baseline. I also think that the Browns are smart enough to have surveyed what's going on around the league. There's a lot of teams that are going to want these veteran quarterbacks. How many of these veteran quarterbacks are really going to be available? I think there's more chance maybe than we realize that Russell Wilson stays in Seattle, Aaron Rodgers stays in Green Bay. And so if you're the Cleveland Browns, even if those guys are available, what are your real odds and chances of being able to attract them to come to Cleveland? Even though I know it would be a trade and not free agency, they're certainly going to have a say in it. So I think the Browns are just being very smart and saying what they need to say. Can you figure out why the Giants are keeping Joe Judge? I'm not sure they are. I mean, I don't know how I don't know how you decide that before you get the new GM, right? The Giants made it very clear that the GM would be the guy that reports to the owner and the GM essentially gets to pick the coach. I think they'll probably try to get the GM to work with Joe Judge for a year. Uh, but I think if the GM candidate they want is adamantly opposed to it, that they would probably be willing to move from, on from Joe Judge. i got to be honest with you, Doug. I almost feel like it's like a Seinfeld thing with that guy. Like, the last couple weeks, he did three or four things that I feel like you would only do if you were trying to get fired. Almost like George Costanza on Seinfeld. I mean, the back-to-back quarterback sneaks from his own four-yard line on second and third and long. I just, like, I understand if you're on the one-inch line, maybe even the one, and you want to get your punter a little bit of room. But, you know, have some perspective. Like, get some clue as to how that will be perceived if you run a quarterback sneak on third and nine, let alone the fact that even after there was a report that he was going to keep his job, he said like three nonsensical things that weren't true, didn't make sense. He called out the Washington football team. I mean, it's just, I, I almost felt like this is a guy that, I don't know, he probably signed a four or five year deal, knows it's not going to work out for him there, and would rather just get fired now and not have to work next year. Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. Um, Sunday Night Football. Do you, I, I'll give you my thoughts in a second. I want your thoughts on the Chargers timeout and if you thought that really changed what the Raiders were going to do. Yeah, so first of all, Doug, uh, I was there. I was calling that game for Western 1, and the stadium's amazing. The atmosphere was just incredible. I mean, it was, it was awesome and, and might have been certainly the best regular season game I've ever called, um, maybe the best game ever. I mean, I just – I cannot fathom that Justin Herbert converted six fourth downs of all at least five to eight yards or whatever it was. I mean, the only one they didn't convert was when they handed it off. They didn't just let Herbert throw it in their own territory. It's crazy. As for the timeout, I I guess I've heard through the grapevine that Collinsworth and Al Michaels couldn't believe it. I was not as incredulous about it. You know, I think Staley was thinking – I don't want them to get closer here on this play yeah. to be able to kick a closer field goal. I mean, they weren't taking a knee. It, it was like, whatever, it was third and four. They were in the shotgun, three receivers. Now they were going to run the ball. And I think it's true, Doug, that based upon how that third down play went, 
then the Raiders would have considered their options. If they lost two yards, I don't think they were going to try a 60-yard field goal or whatever it would have been. So I think they would have let the clock run out. But if he still got 10 yards like he ended up getting, I still think that they do attempt the field goals. I don't think it had as much of an impact on the outcome as people think. The real issue is you called timeout and then you gave up a 10-yard run. Yeah, you call a timeout to get your best run defense on the field, which I agree with. I mean, I, my Chargers guy said much ado about nothing, and and and, I, and that's what you're saying. But you you still have to stop stop the run, which is what what derailed them most of the season. Uh, what an incredible, incredible, incredible game. Um, okay, can we can we make any lasting statements about the Rams, where they have the Niners dead to rights beaten? chance to keep them out of the playoffs and they let them off the hook late in the game at home. Well, we can have, we can make this definitive statement. The Niners own the Rams. I mean, they own them. Like you rarely see in the NFL when it's a team that's clearly been superior the last few years. I mean, the, the, the Rams have been the better team the last couple of years and it just doesn't matter. The Niners, I, there is no way, Doug, with Jimmy having that injury, that I thought the Niners were going to come back in that game. I just thought, wow, Rams look awesome. Rams know what's at stake. They're getting the Niners out of here. They're finally getting the Niners monkey off their back. They know they can, they can get the number two seed or whatever. I'm just stunned with how that went down. And I don't know. I kind of feel the same way about the Rams as I always feel. I think that they're good. I think they can win a playoff game, but no chance, like 0% am I picking them to beat Aaron Rodgers and the Packers in Lambeau or if they somehow faced off with Brady. Like, I'm just not – I'm not picking that to happen. I, I, I'll believe Matthew Stafford beats one of those guys in a game like that in the playoffs when I see it. Who's the MVP? I think it's Aaron Rodgers, um, but I, I guess I, I think it's hilarious how we just kind of shut off the Brady MVP talk when they got shut out by the Saints. You know, not every game is equal, and what you do it later in the year means so much, but it's just so funny, like how important narratives are and how we kind of get bored. I mean, Brady at 44 – leads the NFL in basically everything. I mean, yards, touchdowns, they have what? They have the same record as the Packers or one less win? I mean, they're right there with the Packers. I'm looking it up right now. Yeah, they both have 13 wins. So they're both 13 and four. And Brady has better stats across the board except for the interceptions. And, you know, Brady has 12. Rodgers has, I think, four. I know it's less than five. So I think it's probably Aaron Rodgers, but I don't understand, Doug. It's like when they got shut out by the Saints, we just flipped off the switch for the Tom Brady MVP. Like, like as soon as that game was over, like, oh, Aaron Rodgers or Jonathan Taylor? Jonathan Taylor? Are you kidding me? So Brady has one bad game, and it's now it's Jonathan Taylor? Like, get a grip. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. It's Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. As uh, Ross Tucker, the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, you can download that one. Follow him on social media. Listen to him on Westwood One calling the NFL games. Um, all right, we're getting ready for the playoffs. Is it me? You talked about the Niners. Am I the only one who likes the Niners to beat the Dallas Cowboys? 
Definitely, definitely not. I just recorded the Even Money podcast, which is the betting podcast I do with Steve Fezzik. Love the Niners getting the three points. I mean, love it. I think they got a great chance to win the game outright. Look, even the Cowboys know that they're not right. You don't need to take my word for it. The Cowboys played Dak Prescott and their starters against the Eagles practice squad call-ups into the fourth quarter on Saturday night. You don't do that unless, I don't know what it was, Doug. You're trying to instill confidence in your guys or you're trying to, you know, get them back into a rhythm before the playoffs. I don't know what it was, but the Cowboys' actions on Saturday night told us, showed us that they know that something's not right there. Meanwhile, the Niners are better than a 10 and 17. You know, when they don't have Debo or when they, they had like two games where they had no running backs, they didn't have Jimmy G for a couple games. I mean, when they have all their guys, they're, I think they're pretty much as good as anybody. They're certainly in the mix with the Rams and Cowboys. So I, I, I would not be surprised at all if the Niners win that game. Love them getting the three points for sure. If you had to venture a guess, who do you like in the AFC? AFC or NFC? AFC. We just talked about NFC. Yeah, yeah. Um, this weekend, like to win or to win the Super Bowl? To get to the or Super to Bowl. To go to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Chiefs. I mean, uh, pretty easily the Chiefs. I mean, I feel pretty strongly, actually, about the Packers and the Chiefs at this point. Now, I do think, you know, Brady and the Bucks could theoretically win in Green Bay again. I don't, I don't know that I see them doing it yet again. I mean, I feel about the Packers. It, like if the pa- I feel about the Packers how I felt about Georgia last night. Like, if Georgia didn't beat Alabama last night, Doug, they were never going to. If the Packers don't get back to the Super Bowl this year with the one seed at home, getting Bakhtiari, Zadarius Smith, and Jair Alexander back, then they're just not going to. And Aaron Rodgers should try to go somewhere else. So I like the Packers and the NFC to get there. AFC, I just think the Chiefs are pretty clearly the best team. Now, they got a tougher road. You know, I think it would have been almost a waste of time if they got the number one seed. I mean, if they got the number one seed, I would have been stunned if anybody other than the Chiefs went. Now that they got to win three games, now that they, you know, might have to win one on the road, that's a little bit different. Now they, now they got a little tougher road to hope. Ross, you're the best. Happy New Year to you, buddy. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, great job of the game Sunday night. I did hear that when I was driving around. And thanks to be our guest on Fox Sports Radio. Of course, man. Anytime, Doug. Thank you. That's that is Ross Tucker. Ross Tucker NFL podcast is always available. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Every day at this time, we get you updated on stories of the day. We do so by playing a game. This is game time. Game time. On the Doug Gottlieb Show. Game time is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Check out the latest lines in the world of sports. Bet Rivers Sportsbook. The name in online sports betting is Bet Rivers. You must be 21. President of Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Pennsylvania to play. Gambling problem call 1 800 Gambler. What do you got there, Dan Byer? Byer. Doug, the game today is. Rank them. All right, Doug. We are going to be ranking a variety of things, and we are going to start off with ranking the three worst teams that made the NFL playoffs. The three worst teams 
The seven seeds are Philadelphia and Pittsburgh. The six seeds are the Niners and Patriots. The five seeds are the Cardinals and Raiders. Those are going to be the road teams. Those would be the lowest seeded teams. And obviously the others are division champions. So, Doug, rank the three worst teams that made the NFL playoffs. Um, I'll put the Eagles at three. The Steelers at two and the Raiders at one. Raiders at one. Ooh. Raiders at one. I mean, like, look, it, it it was magnificent. They were able to win that game. But, I mean, they're not. They have some good wins, but I, no. No. Doug, rank your top three candidates for NFL MVP, something that you and Ross Tucker just were talking about what's a little the, bit. What's the, what's the MVP pyramid look like this week? Well, it will, the final one will be released tomorrow. There is a, there is a tentative one that is, has already been designed. However, we are, we are going over it with a fine – what is it? Is a fine-tooth and comb? Is that the saying? Is yeah, fine tooth comb. There it is. John Ramos to the rescue. We are looking at all the details to make sure that we get this pyramid right because it's the final one. Entering last week's games, the pyramid had Aaron Rodgers on top with Tom Brady second and Cooper Cup was third. That could change, though. But what do you think of the top three candidates for NFL MVP? I, I think those are the three of the best candidates. I would substitute Derek Carr in there. For Cooper Cup, I think the Rams guys I know will tell you hey, Cooper Cup should be the MVP. They're like he affects everything we do, but Derek Carr has single-handedly carried that franchise. It feels like so. I'm actually going to put Brady third, Carr second, Aaron Rodgers first. Ooh, Derek Carr was in the pyramid at times throughout the season, but has not appeared lately. You'll find out tomorrow if he appears in the final one. Doug, right? Will he be in the pyramid or on the pyramid? Uh, in, ah. I, I think it's in because he makes up the pyramid. Okay. So, you know, he is a piece of the foundation. <laughs> Doug, rank your top three candidates for NFL Coach of the Year. Coach of the Year. Um, Mike Vrabel getting a lot of push lately. You got. Yeah, I'll put Vrabel at three. Um, I will put Zach Taylor at two. He's the Cincinnati Bengals head coach. Um, I mean, like, look, I think Tomlin is is a guy that you could very much discuss as a guy who could who could win it. Um, and, you know, I look around the National Football League and I mean, Bill Belichick turned that thing around as well now. So uh, and then I, I know we're supposed to take a team that we didn't expect much of and they perform really well and we should put them in because of it. But I think what McDermott turning that thing back around in uh, Buffalo in Buffalo is big. Um, so here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna I'm gonna put Tomlin at one, uh, just because that thing was going bad in a bad way. And I know that there's some they didn't play they didn't play Lamar Jackson and Baltimore when they win the last game of the regular season. There's some things that go bump in the night to even get them there. When they take on the Browns, their Browns are totally depleted. But once again, no losing seasons. Get, gets Big Ben to the playoffs, and Big Ben wasn't very good this year. I'm going to go Mike Tomlin one. All right, I like that. Doug, rank your uh, top three, or just 
Rank your favorite throwback golfers. This on the heels that Tom Watson is going to be joining Jack Nicholas and Gary Player as honorary starters for the Masters this spring. Uh, don't know if it will continue with Watson joining Nicholas and Player after this year, but that option certainly is there. But rank your th- uh, top three favorite throwback golfers. Old school golfers Old that we're school. looking for? Yeah. Chichi Rodriguez has to be on <laughs> All right. this, right? Yes. Remember, he stayed with the putter. For some reason, playing with your putter, I mean, actually playing with your putter, your actual, yeah. phys- that the, that matters in golf. And using it as the sword. Yes, the yes. sword. How old do we have to go? Go wherever you want. I like yep. Vijay Singh. All Is right. Get- okay, sure. I like Vijay Singh. I, I, I read a story about him once. Vijay learned to play golf, like hitting golf balls next to like a airport runway, right? Like, I don't know. I always like Vijay Singh. I'm going to go Vijay Singh. Um, and then I'm going to go Tom Kite. All right. Tom Kite. Tom Kite. U.S. Open winner, 1992. Sure. Absolutely. Uh, VJ Singh. By the way, VJ Singh never, never lost a major when he drove behind me entering that golf facility <laughs> uh, during the final round, which happened at the uh, 2004 PGA Championship. Don't buy it. So. I will tell you my favorite old school golf tournament was the International. Do you remember the International? Yeah, it was in Colorado. Yeah, they so it was in altitude. For people to know, they, they used the modified Stableford system. The modified Stableford system is a point system where it gives you like an extra point in going for eagle. And, of course, because the altitude, you could go for eagle, you know, a bunch of eagle twos. I used to love the International. Yeah, it's a crazy, crazy scoring system. Finally, Doug, rank your favorite brands of trading cards as a kid. Uh, okay. Uh, Fleer three upper, uh, Fleer three upper deck two tops one. Oh, there it is. Tops is tops in Doug's book. That's game, huh? Don Russ did give you the hustle is game in Diamond Kings, on but the Doug Gottlieb not show. enough to make this list. Don, Don, Don Russ, I mean, I am showing my inner geekdom that I, I absolutely, <laughs> I was absolutely a card collector. Between baseball cards and, and garbage pail kids, I was a bit of a, I, I went through a phase where I was a bit of a card collector, but then I also parted ways with them. And somewhere in my mom's house, I do actually have a box of unopened upper deck cards. It's the year that that King Griffey Jr. There's a, that error card. I don't obviously we don't know what's inside. All right, coming up next, there's one thing that's synonymous with every single business, and I think Brian Flores is going to learn that when he reads why he was let go. Next on the Doug Gottlieb Show.